Welcome to Hollywood Wolfpack with Kaya Alexander, featuring in-depth interviews and insights with professionals in the entertainment business. Get everything you need to navigate your above-the-line career right here. This podcast is often recorded live in front of Kaya students in the Entertainment Business School. You can find out more at entertainmentbusinessschool.com. Hollywood Wolfpack is the new face of entertainment business wisdom. Enjoy the show. All right. Hey, and welcome, everybody. I am Kaya Alexander, host of the Hollywood Wolfpack podcast and founder of the Entertainment Business School. We have hundreds of members of the entertainment community with us for this important conversation today about AI and the future of Hollywood. The WGA, as you may know, the Writers Guild is as we speak on strike. And one of the points on the table for negotiation is AI. I think maybe AI wasn't top of mind for most writers before the negotiations began, but when the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, the AMPTP, would not meet their demands, it created a ripple of concern about AI. There's industry-wide desire among writers that we keep creativity in the hands of human beings. Studios don't seem to agree. The WGA proposal on this point was to, quote, regulate use of artificial intelligence on MBA-covered projects. AI can't write or rewrite literary material, can't be used as source material, and MBA-covered material can't be used to train AI. The AMPTP responded rather chillingly by rejecting the proposal and countered by, quote, offering annual meetings to discuss advancements in technology. I've seen a variety of attitudes on Twitter and among my industry colleagues ranging from curious to furious about this, and rumors are circulating about how studios are already using AI and intend to replace writers and writers' rooms. And everyday chat GPT gets better. The AI filmmaking tools are, in their infancy, already extraordinary. Just yesterday, I watched an AI trailer for a Lord of the Rings movie that doesn't exist in the style of Wes Anderson and starring Bill Murray as Gandalf. It looks probable that the studios intend to rely on AI for everything from BFX to screenwriting. Studios love to cut costs. But the question before us today with my very special guest is that the Hollywood that we want to inhabit or embrace? Is that the Hollywood that we want to inhabit or embrace? And how can we embrace AI and use it wisely? As one of the writer's strike signs from the picket line read, chat GPT doesn't have childhood trauma. It may be that the reason we love films and TV is that we feel connected by the very quirks and foibles that make us the most human. So what's the future of AI and Hollywood? Thankfully, we're here today with someone who can answer our burning questions about this technology, and he believes AI is not the enemy, but a really smart friend. Manoj Agarwal is an AI thought leader and consultant I was introduced to by our mutual friend, Steve Sims. Let me tell you about him, and we'll dive into our conversation today, followed by Q&A. Manoj is an immigrant from a developing country, someone who went from earning $2 a day to boardrooms of Fortune 500. Manoj is the founder of Tetranoodle Technologies, an elite tech consulting firm, and he and his company have been listed among the world's top AI leaders. His deep knowledge and experience in cutting-edge technologies, human psychology, and neuroscience has helped him build systems that result 
and exponential growth both for individuals and organizations. Manoj, welcome. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Thank oh, you. we're so excited that you're here with us. I have a series of questions for you today, and some of them were sent in by members of our community, and others were generated by ChatGPT. Okay. Well, <laughs> hey, I'd love for you to tell us more about your background. You're such an interesting person. Sure. Um, yeah, I grew up uh, in India and uh, in, you know, India was a developing country back then, it still is. And I grew up in a very small town and uh, uh, started my career at 15. I used to work in a factory uh, and I used to make $2 a day working six days a week and uh, 12 hours a day. And uh, just in Hollywood style, I was uh, flipping through some business magazines uh, one at uh, during one lunch hour. And I got some inspiration from these uh, amazing, inspiring stories of uh, these tycoons who had built their empires. And uh, something changed in my mind. I was like, you know, if these people can do something with their life, I should be able to do something with my life. And at that point, it was just a pipe dream. But um, it, it sort of that inspiration led me to discover my love for computers and programming. And uh, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Um, and I and then I came to uh, Canada, started working with, uh, and, and I got a job that was the dot-com boom time. I got a job very quickly, but then I lost my job uh, three, four times in quick succession because of dot-com bust and then September 11th and Gulf War. So then I started my own consulting company back in 2001, started working with um, a lot of startups um, and uh, then worked with Microsoft. Um, we built their um, like a worldwide licensing a platform, which used to process about $40 billion worth of transactions every year. Um, and then work with uh, Pearson Education and IBM, a lot of uh, very impactful projects. Like some of the projects that uh, we delivered, they were mentioned by President Obama and Bill Gates. Um, and it had like impacted millions of lives so all of these things were happening but my my personal life was uh, not very good like my relationships with my parents with my spouse was not good so that led me into depression and anxiety and and suicidal thoughts and that's when i discovered um, meditation and and learning about the human mind and psychology and when i was like comparing the two paradigms our human mind and artificial intelligence it, I found it interesting that I see a, a complete continuum between our mind and artificial intelligence and how they fit together, how they how they sort of feed each other. Um, and so my sort of mission became in life to uh, help people understand what AI can do for them uh, to the extent that um, even AI can uh, bring some meditative effects where, you know, because the key that turned in my head was like, if I can use my own mind to get out, get me out of my suicidal thoughts and sort of, you know, make an impact, what can other people do? Uh, as you said, like childhood trauma is a, is a real thing that drives us, uh, but then it also hinders us in many ways. So if AI, any technologies like AI can sort of help us overcome that or see that in us, uh, that'll be fantastic. So, so that's sort of my work, that's my journey. Um, I have four patents in artificial intelligence, and it's been um, quite fun to see how this uh, technology has already transformed the world, and it is it will continue to do so. Wow. Uh, congratulations. Four patents. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'd love to hear from your perspective. What are some of the most promising applications of AI in Hollywood that you've seen so far? 
See, obviously, the very first one is, you know, anyone who has seen uh, animated movies or, or 3D or, um, uh, you know, movies like Avatar, uh, it, that, that kind of output is not possible without the combination of human mind, human creativity and machines, right? So to bring out that level of detail, that to bring out that level of uh, cre uh, sort of fantastic visions and sound and, and um, all the emotions that that are filled uh, in our in our minds and hearts when we watch something like that. Um, that is not possible uh, without the help of uh, artificial intelligence. So, um, so as we as we have progressed through uh, you know the medium, like for example, when the newspapers came out or the radio came out, television, then the color television came out, and then um, as the technology has progressed, uh, technology itself has given so much to the experience, to the storytelling, because the stories are the same, right? At the core of any Hollywood movie is the story of the character, how they went through all the struggles and, and they overcome that, uh, all that. But then as the uh, viewer, I want to be immersed in that story, not only just from, from visual senses, but auditory or you know, I mean, when you go to um, Disneyland, they have 4D experience where, you you know, uh, the chairs are even moving alongside the the scene. All of these things are possible because of uh, technologies like AI, right? Yeah, really interesting. And we're in its infancy. So where do you see it going for Hollywood since we're only just beginning to utilize these tools? See, absolutely, I, I have no doubt it will start to become more and more prominent in in the industry, in the in the uh, in movies, in television. Um, I can expect that. Um, again, I will stay away from the controversies and and the, and the emotions that people have. You are involved in Hollywood, so obviously there's anxiety. What is going to happen? So, uh, just take my comments with a grain of salt as an, an objective. Observe, observation as a as a AI expert, I I believe there is going to be a time where entire series and movies will be made by AI. But that being said, it is not going to take away jobs. And the reason is, uh, you can see there are multiple genres of movies, right? So everybody has an audience. Everybody can uh, appeal to a certain type of audience. So in my opinion, for example, animated movies. Are um, are generated by machines generally now. They used to be hand drawn, you know, when animated movies came out. They used to be hand drawn, but then we found it's much easier, faster, much more immersive, much more detail oriented if we use the machines uh, to produce these movies. But now um, the people who used to draw uh, those those uh, hand handwritten drawings they upskilled and they found better jobs because now you can make fast movies more movies more uh, that appeal to a wider audience and uh, some of the animated movies they have done um, so much business that they have beat out uh, you know actual movies with actual movie stars right so if you can extrapolate that um, paradigm uh, there will be a future way you can say um, maybe it will be you know just like we have um, um, the the ratings for movies PG thirteen or eighteen plus or whatever you can imagine there may be a rating which is saying you know hundred percent generated by AI or 
you know, 30% augmented by AI, something along those lines. And then uh, the the viewer or the audience can can pick, okay, do I want to watch real human beings act or do I want to watch an AI act? It's similar to saying, do I want to watch an animated movie or do I want to watch a non-animated movie? And then to take it further, there, there can be a point where, which is already happening, like, you know, there are movies where you have an animated character talking to a real character and they're sort of merging together. So so, so these kind of things will continue to emerge. They'll continue to, to come up. It sounds like you're saying that you think AI could become its own genre. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, interesting. So in your estimation, would AI be more likely to replace screenwriters or studio CEOs? Well, so the interesting thing is um, many many people don't realize how transformative this technology is, right? So the father of AI, he has said AI is as uh, instrumental as electricity or fire. So if we can imagine our lives without electricity or fire, then we can imagine our lives without AI. And if we take out our phone today, I mean, the, the other misconception is that AI is something new. It has been around for decades and it has been sort of controlling our lives and everything for the last 15 years. So, uh, you know, um, if we were talking about IMDB, we were just joking about that in, in uh, previously, but you know that IMDB is, is a set of algorithms which control sort of which actor or artist gets more exposure. Um, the news we read, uh, you know, the shopping uh, we do on Amazon, these are all AI algorithms. So our lives are already filled with AI already right now. The interesting question is, will it replace uh, studio CEOs or the writers? I don't think it will replace anybody. It will augment them. Now, the only difference is if somebody does not embrace AI and improves their um, creativity, their output, their productivity, another person with the same skill but using AI will take over their job. Right. It's like saying, you know, uh, compare uh, those of you are who are old enough to remember, like in 1990s, when the Internet was just coming out, you know, if you went and asked somebody, hey, do you want an email address? Do you want a website? They'll be like, what, what's a, what's a website? What's an email address? I don't think I need that. Right. But now today, if you go uh, and, and go into any profession and say, I, I refuse to use email, I refuse to use Internet, um, you know, but I want to like I, I'm I'm the. I'm. I know all of this, these skills, and I want to work. How how far do you think you will get with that, right? So that's the idea behind it. Use AI as a tool, not as a threat or or a, a, a opponent. And uh, and if you start using it today, you will be so much further ahead than any other competition. Where should we begin? Sure. So um, the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, Hollywood is all about creativity, telling stories. And uh, what I found was, you know, I, I come from an engineering background and uh, I was a terrible communicator. Right. Um, and AI actually helped me to become a better communicator. So um, if you are already in that profession, I believe this is the best uh, marriage between this, 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 uh, you know, huge amount of uh, human, what I see AI as a sum total of human consciousness, and it is made available to you to ask any questions and then enhance your creativity. So 
an example could be let's say you are a you know you are a fiction writer and your speciality is something like comedy or something like that right and comedy has so many shades so many like so many experiences that you can bring into your comedy writing but as a human being we only are limited to certain years of experience let's say i grew up in india i i can make some jokes about growing up in a third world country but i have no experience growing up in say nigeria or uh, or south africa but with tapping into ai i can actually borrow that experience from that this some total of human consciousness and i can say okay this was a funny moment in india when i was growing up you know i had if one day i didn't have uh, food to eat what will that situation look like in south africa what will that situation look like in nigeria something along those lines and now i can bring more colors into my comedy and i can sort of you know get those experience borrow those experiences from others in such great detail that that uh, i don't have to live that life but i can i can assume something that that may have happened and sort of create that out of thin air does that make sense it does it does but right now ai is known for being somewhat inaccurate and they call it it has hallucinations yeah, so yeah. how do we know what's reliable when we're utilizing ai for example as a writer's assistant you know when a screenwriter's working on their own screenplay for instance yeah 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 so um the thing is once again you you have to think of ai as truly an extension of our mind right so we make up stuff all the time you know in in our daily conversation whenever we are talking to somebody you know if we don't know certain topic certain detail we 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 make up stuff all the time don't we um so ai is doing exactly the same thing so you have to use ai as a human being as as a flawed human being uh, that is not to say it is it is going to remain uh, like that so if you are working on some high impact high uh, sort of stakes um a piece of work where you need to make sure it is factually correct then you have to double check you have to triple check you know that's that's the due diligence you have to make but if you are creating something fictional or you know just getting inspirational uh, inspiration or you are getting better at asking questions and uh, you know imagining what this life could be this life could be then it it serves as a, a great um uh, tool to get you to that answer very very quickly in a very interesting way because not only i can ask uh, ai to say okay what what would have been like to grow up in nigeria but i can say give me that scenario in the tone of ricky gervais or give me that scenario and write a poem as if uh, the beatles were writing a song about it like imagine how much uh, like what kind of mind do you need to be able to you know bring these shades of creativity together but with ai now you can like do that at at a, at a you know just just within few seconds and 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 ai is, is itself just giving us this creativity to enhance that. like once you once you see this path once your mind expands to this possibility it's not going to shrink back right so so ai is ha- it has the ability to expand that uh, um part of your mind and now if somebody said hey write me another joke uh about growing up in india I, my mind will automatically be able to tap into that experience of even growing up in nigeria without using ai does that make sense 
It does. It does. I feel protective of the writers and, and the tradition of writing and writers' rooms, especially. I can foresee a future, a very near future, where the studios say, we don't need 10 writers in a writer's room writing Star Trek Picard or Succession. All we need is one or two writers and the AI. So that job loss, I mean, this is why writers are striking right now, is to try to preserve the integrity of one of our most legacy industries in the United States of America. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yeah. See, the thing that most people don't realize is that human emotion cannot be replaced. As you said, um, you know, when 10 people sit down, I mean, we are here, right? Like if I ask any, like I shared my story of, you know, growing up in India and blah, blah, blah. Uh, if I ask anybody here, they, they have their own stories to tell and they have their own journeys that have brought them here. And when we exchange these ideas, the outcome that comes is so much better. So if Steven Spielberg can imagine making Avatar just by hiring you know, a bunch of AI uh, computers or writers. That the final product, you will, you will be able to feel that. Oh, this is done by AI. You 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 cannot fool the human. Um, how can I say? It? Not you can fool the human mind, but I don't. I don't think it's it's easy to fool the human heart. Meaning, how do you, how do you really touch them emotionally? That that secret sauce is only with humans. I, I don't think AI can do that. That's really interesting. I was thinking of the movie Lion as you were speaking, which is one of my favorite movies. And do we think that that AI couldn't write Lion? Because, I mean, this is a movie that makes me weep every time I see it. And of course, back to your home country, India. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so, uh, so that's why I, I believe um, in the power of AI to enhance our abilities rather than replace it. If people start, see, the thing is that People will start to say, okay, I want to reduce cost and I want to um, get AI to do everything. But we know uh, these kind of things have been tried before, you know, where uh, we used to make everything by hand, like our shoes, our clothes, everything used to be made by hand. And then with industrialization, everything shifted towards uh, machines and they were producing, they are producing mass produced. Um, clothes, right? You can tell the difference between a $10 t-shirt and a, and a, you know, a, a really nice uh, $100 t-shirt or a handmade painting versus a, a, a print that was done by a machine. So that authenticity, we, we, we humans know how to, you know, differentiate between those. You're saying that felt sense exactly the human organic creation but you yeah. mentioned the cutting costs and that's a huge consideration in our industry right now we're on the studio side you know in april of 2022 netflix for the first time saw a loss of subscribers and that changed wall street's decision about how we measure this industry in terms of the valuations of these companies the stock etc to say okay well you have to have revenue now you can't just be all about growth so 
now here, you know, we have this perfect storm because writers are on strike to protect the integrity yeah. of their jobs. And then we yeah. have a studio system that's like, hey, we have to make money, whether it's by cutting costs or adding revenue. And yeah. um, I think that they see AI as a way to cut costs. Great. So, so the thing is that I, I will not argue with anybody's business philosophy, right? Sure. I will not argue that. But people are very quick to jump on solutions which are not optimal. So mm -hmm. what do I mean? What do I mean by that? If they cut cost and the quality of the movie goes down, how, where will that leave them? Like, do you think they'll get more revenue or less revenue? Right. Right. So I I think they are going to get less revenue. Instead, if I if I was a, a you know a, a owner of a studio, I will say okay, the reason uh, the way to make more revenue is to make content which is personalized to a particular segment. When we make a large budget movie, you know we have to appeal to a mass audience, a big wide mass audience. On the flip side, I can make a very uh, niche movie that appeals to a certain audience, but it does very very well. In the past, I could not do that at scale. I could not do niche movies, you know, rapidly. But with AI, I can say, okay, you know, I will create ten movies in the same time as as I used to create one movie, but they will be so much personalized, like so much uh, uh, like customized for a particular audience that they will just fall in love with them. And now I can not only reduce my cost, but as then I can increase my uh, revenue. So this is just an example of how to understand this technology, how to like make the right business business decisions, which does not cause any social unrest and mass layoffs and things like that, but it actually helps us to leverage the technology, but also help people have better lives. How close are we to that future where a viewer can come home from a long day at work and say, hey, hey, Amazon, make a movie for me with a rom-com, you know, starring Ryan Reynolds and I'm in it or something like that? Well, I mean, we are very close to that right now. As you said, like, you know, I can go to ChatGPT and sort of start asking these questions. But here is the thing. Not everybody can ask the right questions, mm. you know. So so that's another thing, like, uh, to, to, that's the, to the... That's important. That's yeah. really important because the yeah. quality of your questions determines the quality of what your answers are. Exactly, exactly. So... So once again, that's the same argument. If you get rid of 10 writers in the writer room and replace it with one, your ability to ask the right questions is reduced by one, one tenth, right? So, um, so uh, when, when uh, uh, to, to come back to your question, yeah, it is possible right now to start writing stories, but how interesting and engaging they will be, it depends on our creativity because AI is not going to give us something that we have not asked for. So you, you know, in, in, um, uh, in in computer science, there is a there is a phrase "garbage in, garbage out." So if you ask a garbage question, you'll get a garbage answer. Um, that being said, if you are very creative, you you can put together these pieces today. It's not going to be as as engaging or authentic, but uh, the technology is there in its infancy. I think in five years we will be there. Like we can just say, hey, you know, just wow. make make me a movie, and uh, it'll be there. So how do we learn about prompt engineering? How do we learn to ask those questions? Is there a course? Are there resources? Where do we go? 
Um, well, the, so prompt engineering is emerging as a, its, its own field now. So, um, but um, so so we do a lot of that, and we teach, and we create um, we create software for specific industries to help them uh, use the right prompts. But um, uh, to begin with, as I said, think of Chat GPT as a as a super intelligent friend, and ask any question. Um, you can start to interact with it just like as if you meet uh, a friend uh, at at lunch on a weekend and say, you know, tell me more about what is going on uh, in in creative uh, um, field. Or uh, if when it comes back with an answer, you can drill deeper and then get better at asking questions because the the right way to get better at something is to do it again and again and. And this technology is so easy, like it's actually just having a conversation. And when you start to converse with it, it will start to, again, show you some sides of humanity that you have never considered. And when you start getting curious about that, then you start to ask follow-up questions and which leads to you getting better and better and better at asking questions. But the thing is that, um, uh, creative people are already better at asking questions. So this is only going to enhance their ability to ask better questions, right? I love that. Okay, Manoj, what are some of the ethical and legal challenges that arise when using AI in Hollywood, such as digital resurrection or personalized content creation? And will this mean that we could have new movies starring Audrey Hepburn or Chadwick Boseman? Yeah, see, um, the the... The problem right now is that we are going through a rapid transition. It's a very, very rapidly changing environment. And if uh, people have read history, this is not new. Like uh, every new transformative technology uh, causes a lot of disruption. Like even the uh, think about the printing press. When the printing press was invented, there was a lot of um, uh, upheaval about who will get to read the books? Who will get to print the books? Um, you know, there, there were controls put in place and, and there, was re, there were regulations put in place. Uh, so the, the, the point is that when uh, disruptive technologies are introduced, um, people get confused. Uh, people have uh, a lot of uh, anxiety, a lot of apprehensions. And the, it takes time for the dust to settle, to hear everybody's opinions and come to a conclusion that this is how we should be using a technology like that. So we are in that transition phase. The legal questions have not been answered. There are only, I think, draft uh, uh, legislation in Europe, Canada, US about the use of AI at, at an overarching level, not even forget about even industry level, right? So that is at, dra at draft level and Possibly they'll get around to it with all the world problems going on. Maybe it will be finalized maybe in two, three years. And uh, industry-specific legislation, that may happen sooner as people start to, you know, um, start to agree to certain terms. So I, I I cannot sit here and say, okay, this is these are the legal issues. These are the, the problems. Every industry is going to have to deal with it in their own way and then come up with the rules and regulations. Um, of course, there's going to be things that we'll need to deal with in, like, in terms of copyright, in terms of plagiarism, in terms of all of these things, specifically for Hollywood industry. But, um, but there are so many nuances to that, that me being an outsider of uh, Hollywood, I cannot say 
oh, you know, in according to me, this should be the way to go or this should be the way to go. Uh, so the legislation needs to be in place and everybody needs to be heard before we can say, okay, this is the right way to go. Yeah, interesting. It is a whole new frontier. I, yeah. I think it's potentially exciting too. I mean, I look at I, how many people would love to see a new movie with Chadwick Boseman in it, you know, and I think there's a lot of viewers who would raise their hands and say, me, I would, you know, and I, I think that's a really interesting consideration in terms of what could it could mean for, for the estates, you know, for future revenue, uh, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, Manish, what are some potential downsides or risks of using AI in Hollywood, such as potential for algorithmic bias, racist AI, or the displacement of people, human workers? Yeah, I mean, uh, those are all concerns. Uh, I will uh, start by saying this. Any technology that so far humans have invented or discovered is not inherently harmful. Right. So you can start with, um, let, let's say, a car. I can take the car. I can run over somebody or I can go to the grocery store with it. You know, atomic atomic bomb, like, uh, you know, atomic energy can produce energy or it can kill millions of people. It's not the technology that is harmful. It's the humans and how we use it. It's harmful. Right. So uh, that being said, uh, job displacement, we already covered that. There will be job displacement. I cannot deny that. But that job displacement means if you understand what is going on and upskill yourself, you will have better jobs. You will have more enjoyable jobs. You will have jobs where you don't have to deal as much with the mundane, redundant stuff that we all have to do, but we don't like doing it, right? Like I was talking to a neurosurgeon the other day. They said that for every hour they spend with one patient, they have to spend two hours entering data into yeah, system. So all of that can be taken away. And now you see their job becomes more enjoyable because now they have more time to do what they like to do, which is to spend time with patients. Um, then there will be, uh, you know, uh, people using AI um, to introduce their own bias and maybe do a little bit of mind control, some sort of, you know, uh, sh shoving their ideas down our throats. But to that, I say, isn't that already happening? Like, why why don't we realize that's already happening right now as we speak, right? In fact, these, uh, like, there are 4 billion people on social media. I think there are 5 billion now on social media platforms like Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. These are nothing else but AI algorithms, right? And whether we realize it not, or not, the whole information flow of society is controlled by these algorithms. And these algorithms are designed for one thing, sensationalism, because sensationalism keeps bringing people back. It encourages people to click on ads and it, it encourages people to like get into arguments. So that's already happening. The outrage, now, the outrage culture, absolutely. Exactly, exactly. So now you can see that people who have, you know, I won't say they had ulterior motives, but this is the way it has unfolded. Uh, we are already in this situation. So in order to fight that back, what I tell people is you cannot bring a knife to a gunfight. You have to fight AI with AI. So good AI will fight bad AI, and that's how things will, they'll, will progress, right? Wow, that's really interesting. I have a few students who've been utilizing Midjourney and other platforms to start to create pitch decks or visualizations for some of their characters, but they've come back to me in class and said, this 
uh, AI doesn't know how to give me an Indian elf, for instance, that the people of color are being left behind in the AI. What do you have to say about that? So, um, the, again, let, let's go back to the basic tenet. It is an extension of us, right? AI is an extension of us. So we are all biased. So the, the AI is going to pick up that bias. It is not going to say, oh, you guys are imperfect and I am perfect. That's not going to happen. Like AI is a tool constructed by imperfect human beings, biased human beings. So if we want to get rid of the bias, we, we first have to work on ourselves. Now, you know, that's a big statement, but the idea is that the world is not perfect. So we cannot expect something to be, I mean, it has to be inclusive. This is an inclusive thing. We are not part of, you know, uh, AI is not part of another universe. It's part of us. So, so um, again, there will be regulations. There, there will be technologies to say, okay, you know, we cannot do certain things, but as biased human beings, I don't think we will reach a perfection where we say, oh, there is no bias. Because from my point of view, my biases are not biases because you know that's my life experience, right? It's a bias from your point of view. So when we put all these things together, somebody is gonna say, oh, this, this thing is biased, right? Um, and so, so that's an interesting dilemma, um, hopefully, in my in my hope, maybe in 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 future generations, we will get to a point where we actually get rid of bias in ourselves, and hence AI is uh, you know um, is going to be uh, free of that bias as well. Well, let me swing the question the other way, which is, do you think AI could be used to create more diversity and inclusive representation in Hollywood, like um, analyzing casting decisions or even predicting audience preferences? Could we absolutely, 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 yeah. absolutely. That 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 also, in my opinion, is already happening. People people who are actually, you know, spending a billion dollars on a movie, they have tons and tons of like, um, you know. Um, they, they, they do research on multiple uh, segments of population. You know, they, they pitch the idea uh, to these populations and they say, oh, you know, um, lower, uh, lower income families may not like it. So they have algorithms doing this work already, right? So the only thing is it is going to get more accurate. So as I said earlier, um, the true power of AI will come in hyper-personalization, meaning, we as human beings, we only have a capacity to deal with a certain amount of data. And after that, things get fuzzy for us. But with AI, we will be able to like hyper-personalize it. Uh, so an example could be when you go to Amazon, for example, uh, in certain cases, Amazon knows more about what you want at this time, and it'll present you that item um, before you even realize it, right? Sure. So so that's like AI doing a hyper-personalized um, Sort of uh, change in 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 uh, in the in in my browsing history somehow that it tells Amazon that oh you know I I I need this so show it to him right so this is not possible right now for um, for a number of things like making movies it's it's a it's not a ten dollar item we can just buy and and forget about it but only certain number of movies are made but with AI now I can sort of simulate a lot of these scenarios and figure out, okay, what will work? Um, a good example uh, from another field uh, is um, healthcare. So um, in when COVID uh, was, uh, you know, like in full force, we were all worried about being locked down for like 
possibly years because mm -hmm. vaccines take that uh, that uh, long to develop. Now, again, I will stay away from the political debate of you know whether vaccines are good or not, but we were able to make that vaccine within months because AI was able to simulate the human body's reaction to certain molecules. And so we didn't have to make the molecule and test it on, on animals and then test it on a bunch of humans and, and then go to trial and all that. Uh, a lot of that work was cut out because AI can simulate uh, the, the human body. Uh, and, and that's how we were able to like speed things up. So, uh, so in a certain way, it will be able to simulate the audience and say, okay, you know, what will appeal to them and whatnot. So very, very uh, interesting ideas, out there ideas. Some of this sounds science science fiction, but um, it, it, is, it is within the possibility of, uh, you know, uh, a real implementation in the next five, five to 10 years. It's fascinating. I, as someone who has been training her Netflix algorithm from the moment that they started streaming, I cannot believe the level of granular detail that Netflix knows me by now, where it's like, oh, you want to see, you know, strong female leads from history, you know, possibly foreign films. Like it just, I feel like it knows the inside of my soul. It's just yeah. crazy. And I could foresee where a company like Netflix may be better poised as a tech company to embrace AI in terms of how they deliver content or even create content for their audiences. Yeah, yeah. See, uh, one thing people have to realize, all these companies became mega companies because of AI, right? So so um, name any rich person in the world. Elon Musk, uh, you know, Tesla is a data company. It's an AI company. It's not a, a car company. It's a data company. Uh, uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, Amazon is an AI company. It's not an e-commerce company. You can name any of the rich people. These are the people who realized the power of AI 20 years ago, okay? And then started using it. Netflix is the same thing. You know, um, when we go, we, when we went out and uh, got the DVDs from Blockbuster, they could have used AI to figure out, you know, which movie is going to do well. But Netflix is the one who figured out, okay, if I stream the movies, I will be able to not only give them a better experience, but more importantly, I will be able to pinpoint what do they like to watch. And as humans, we that's the that's the theory behind hyper-personalization. We really like it when people understand us. Our desire, our our basic desire as a human being after you know food, water, and all that is taken care of. We want a connection. We our want people... sound is the sound of our own names. Exactly, exactly. So, so now you can see how how you can use AI to to benefit you as a more understanding and more empathetic person or a company uh, towards others, right? It sounds like you're encouraging writers and filmmakers to embrace AI as an augmentation of their own creative process. What other advice do you have for us um, for entertainment professionals interested in exploring possibilities of AI? Um, see, the, 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 the thing is that we are at such an infancy stage that we can generate static images, we can generate some like, you know, simple looking videos, but most of the stuff is text. So it is equivalent to, again, the 1990s when the internet was just coming up, where you had a whole bunch of websites with just simple HTML text, nothing else, right? N nothing else was going on. So you can consider right now we are at that stage where a foundation has been laid 
for immensely creative work to be done. What kind of solutions will come out? Uh, I'm trying to think to give you an example. Um, Let's say you know you you like classic movies, so a good example could be I could remake a classic movie into my own version of movie uh, with the current sort of socioeconomic conditions and see how things will unfold. Uh, so so just just a random example that I can think of off the top of my head, but then there could be new genres of movie that that can come out that we cannot even fathom right now like um i don't know like uh it, it's it's very difficult for an engineer to you know give you examples about how hollywood may use it but a good example could be avatar you know steven spielberg he really looked at the technology and the, the fantasy that people wanted to uh to watch how he married it together in such a way that you literally feel you are in the movie. You literally you, feel. You mean James Cameron and Avatar? Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, uh, so that kind of experience was uh, a brand new experience, in my opinion. And so, with AI, uh, you don't have to be like a you know um, uh, Oscar-winning uh, uh, director to be able to conceive of something like that. You can actually start to do it today, and and you know really. Uh, um, to disrupt the, the the industry or a genre or a particular niche, uh, what have you. That's great. I have a couple more questions for you, and then I'd love to go to audience questions. You good on time? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, fantastic. So a couple questions that were sent in from some of my students and others in my community I'd love to bring to you, um, and then we'll go over to those who are here live. So Karen wrote in, how do you protect your copyright material from being fed out by AI to someone else who might use it infringing on your copyright? See, first thing is that um, I will uh, not put sensitive data into AI right now, because right now, as I said, it is in transition. It may actually use it for uh, training itself. Uh, and then the second step, uh, second point is that consider AI as being a big ocean. And so when you upload your data, if it's not like sensitive legal documents or something like that, when you upload your own creative data, you are putting a glass of water into the ocean. So it is not going to like radically change AI from that perspective if you put a glass of water into the ocean. But if 10 million people put a glass of water into the ocean, that will have an effect, right? That will actually propagate that uh, change. So be careful about that, like, you know, not put your entire like life's work into AI. And the th third thing is like- But won't it scan like Google books and just read whole books off of Google? I mean, that's how it's able to create, you know, a, the tone of an author like, you know, um, John Irving or Tom Robbins out of the prompts that we're giving it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the technology, the way that it works is, is not actually copying and pasting stuff from uh, books. What it is doing is it, it has learned how humans talk so it has it has started predicting which word comes after the the previous word. So so it it knows if somebody else is talking in their tone, what sequence of words they tend to use. That is that is what it has learned, right? So it is not actually copying and pasting the entire book. It's just saying, okay, you know, how how are they using the language? Let me learn that. So um, 
So yeah, I mean, um, how uh, that's a little more terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the so, see, the more you understand it and the more you work with it, the fear starts to subside. The fear comes from the unknown, right? The fear comes from what is going to happen. But once you are able to get in touch with it, once you are able to, you know, uh, play with it, the fear starts to subside because now you can understand it. Like. The, the the best way to get rid of any fear, you know, I have a fear of heights and the 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 best way I knew how to overcome that by bungee jumping. So I did that. Uh, so, you know, the, 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 the thing about that fear is always to get it, lean into that fear and see, see where it leads you. Right. I see the benefits too. I mean, I'm writing a business book right now, uh, really about the Hollywood wolf pack, which is the principle that I teach so many of my students. And I use chat GPT to help me outline my book and it spit out a pretty good outline in about 45 seconds. I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh my gosh, hadn't considered writing about dealing with failure. It gave me that suggestion for one of the chapters. I was like, well, this is really interesting. So I see the value. I definitely feel some trepidation about what it means for, you know, our human creativity. I'm a writer too. And it's become since streaming, since the advent of, you know, Amazon and books going on demand and, you know, streaming, we're all starting to see pennies on the dollar in terms of our royalties, our residual checks. This is one of the things the writers are fighting for right now <laughs> is their residuals, which are not coming from streaming because the, the models are so different. You know, a subscription model, it's very hard to determine who should be getting residuals, but it's just, a, I guess, a a way of me saying that's my concern is that we're going to devalue artists even more and artists won't be able to earn a living. You know, it's already so, become so hard. So how do we, how do we protect and fortify the see, of our artists? See, the thing is that again, when we, all the answers are in history. If you, if you read history, how did, how did these the technological revolutions affect people? How did they deal with it? A good example is a recent example. Like uh, uh, authors, authors had the same dilemma because the entire industry was controlled by few publishers, and if they are not favorable to you, you are out of luck. And then with technology, uh, people started doing self-publishing, and now they are taking control of their life back, and they are able to publish. Uh, and make money without relying on a large corporation. So a possibility could be that uh, artists can start to make their own homegrown studios. They don't have to depend on these large corporations who have dominated the industry. The whole model can be rethought, right? And they can actually start to earn more money than, than they are expecting to get paid from a large corporation because it's a trickle-down effect. But if you take matters in your own hand, you are the master of your own universe. So do you think that studios are gonna to start to favor um, those who are utilizing the AI? I mean, would you predict that? We're only speculating, but I'm, I'm curious, given that the studios refuse to negotiate on this point, how do you see that playing out in favor of the writers? I, I will make a statement. It may shock some people. I don't wanna offend anybody, but in my opinion, studios are not gonna be a thing in 10 years. Really? Yeah. Even a studio like Netflix or Amazon or Apple, they're some of the most powerful companies in the world. So 
the difference with Netflix is they are also the distribution channel. Apple is also a distribution channel. So the studios existed because distribution is very difficult. It's very uh, time consuming. It takes a lot of money. You have to have a lot of relationships with theaters and 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 you know uh, all all the outlets uh, around the globe, right? So uh, when when that um, barrier of entry is removed, then anybody can distribute their movie online, right? Okay, so then how are you looking at monetization for indie filmmakers? Um, uh, again, the the I, I'm not very fel, uh, well familiar with how monetization works today and what will be the transition, but uh, all I'm saying is at the basic level, people want to be entertained. There are people who can entertain them and the only thing standing between them is this infrastructure that we have built over the last century or so. Now, technology is disrupting that infrastructure. And eventually what I see happening is that infrastructure collapsing and there's gonna be a direct contact between the person who's looking for the entertainment and the person who can entertain them. And when they come together with each other, they can decide on their own terms that, hey, I'm going to pay you this much for the value I got, right? And that's the basic sort of tenet of uh, commerce, of, of uh, capitalism, that, that if I can get in touch with the direct source of what I need, I can make my own deal with them. I don't have to rely on a third party to help me make that deal or decide the price or what have you, right? So it sounds like time for everybody to go get a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Power in your own hand. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. Really interesting. I mean, we we don't have a crystal ball, uh, but it's really exciting technology. And we're really grateful that you're here with us today. I'm learning a lot from you. Where can people find and follow you? Yeah, just um, if you find me on LinkedIn, that's where I'm most active, Manoj Agarwal, or you can connect with me on Facebook. Or you can go to manuj.ca, M-A-N-U-J.ca, and you'll find my all my social channels and my website listed there. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for attending. It was just so great to have you all with us live. We really appreciate you being here. And uh, we will be doing more of these in the future, especially as this technology advances. I want to make sure everyone in our um, filmmaking community has the advantage. And you can always find me. I'm always on Twitter at this is Kaya, or you can email me, Kaya at KayaAlexander.com. Thank you so much, Manoj. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hollywood Wolfpack. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Please help our pack grow by sharing Hollywood Wolfpack with your friends and colleagues. Give us a rating and write us a review. Kaya loves hearing from you and reads them all. For more on Kaya and the Entertainment Business School, visit entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Until next week, remember, the strength of the pack is the wolf. And the strength of the wolf is the pack.